Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today, we are continuing in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with 49 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. Mm -hmm. The goal of our series series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we have more. Aren't you all excited about your struggles and suffering? <laughs> they can be so exciting. Oh, I don't want to sound like Pollyanna. No, I actually, hope that doesn't sound that way. No, you know, I listen to that and I go, you know... We come out of it with a lot of growth and reflection and strengthening and some wisdom sometimes. But you know what? To go through it is really tough. It's very and, hard. And um, that's the strange thing about all of this. I find it strange because I'm going through that again now uh, with my wife. But what I find really amazing is that part of me can be so clear and objective and adult and strong about some very deeply moving and emotional experiences um, that are very painful and difficult. And yet I'm not always in pain. I'm not always struggling emotionally. And I look at that and I go, where am I getting this strength from? And uh, I don't understand it myself. All I know is it's true. And what also strikes me, or when I, ha when I do have those moments to reflect, and I do have those more introspective moments. I am grieving and I am in pain. So, I mean, I realize it and I look at both things and I'm personally amazed uh, how that's happening. I'm not boasting about myself at all. Uh, I think there's a spiritual element to this. I really do. We've and talked I, about that. Yeah. I certainly don't mean religious, but I see that there's a strength that goes far beyond what I have and an objectivity and clarity we're able to take Lynn's legacy and help others with it. And I'm very excited about that. We're all excited about helping others that are really struggling and suffering, uh, who have no perspective, very little support. And uh, they're going through rough times. There's so many people. Yes. Um, and then when I talk to them, I realize I can relate to what they're saying. I can identify with it. And yet I have a perspective and a strength and an understanding that they need. So uh, I, I'll be honest with you, it amazes me. And I've been doing this work of helping people recover from, from trauma and difficulty for over 49 years. And yet I'm still looking at this going, I'm amazed. Where is this all coming from? Where does the strength and objectivity come from? Without being cut off, without being cold and insensitive, in fact, the opposite. And yet I'm able to gain strength and deeper wisdom and compassion from it. So, you know, we're going to talk about it today, but I'll be honest with you, um, I've become, a de I've become a deep, more deeply spiritual, not religious, but more deeply spiritual man through the dif difficult times of my life. And there's no question about it because I know my limitations and I'm so far beyond them. Today, I'm, I'm taking, I'm, we're watching my wife who's who's having a very tough time. She's a very courageous woman, uh, but she's she's up against a pretty overwhelming battle now. And I watch that, 
and uh, I can't say it's it's not easy. It's very hard for me because I love her, and I'm not just some objective caregiver. This is my wife, and yet I'm able to do both, and that astounds me. So of course I'm more of a spiritual man because I'm looking at this and going, now where's this strength coming from? Where's this calling that's developing off of this to help others and so, this legacy of lens it can't just be me so i have a question mm -hmm. from what you just said and i don't know if i'll get it i won't be able to use the words that you used but you were saying about this strength that you get to go through painful difficult times in your life right and then uh my question is and then you said that at some point maybe right away, maybe later, someone comes into your life who needs to know or needs the support that you can give them because you went through that hard time. Absolutely. So I got I to gotta ask, does it make it any easier in your life to take on the hard times by knowing that you probably will be able to help someone after? You know, I don't know if it makes it easier, but what it does is gives me some kind of hope and fulfillment that runs much more deeply than the immediate. If it were just for you, uh, and and you and you were never going to be able to to share this or contribute it to somebody else, it wouldn't be as valuable to you. Yeah, and I'm not that kind of person. Um, when I go through these kind of things, there always seems to be something that comes out of it to help others. It's just been the way my life has gone, um, and I've drawn upon that experience my entire career. So. I'm not one of those people that just relishes being a, a, an isolated individual. I, I'm not. Um, I do empathize with other people. Right now, I, I don't think I've ever empathized like this before, though. What's the name of this episode today? Today's episode, and I have a follow-up question. Today's episode is titled, Gaining Hope and Strength from Life's Difficulties and Struggles. Well, we're right on the title. We're right on it. And yeah. I want to ask you, you were, you were talking about how you're not the kind of person who just kind of takes things in and keeps them to himself. Mm -mm. So I know uh, that this weekend you stopped to meet some people that you wanted to interact with uh, oh, yeah. over across town. And I think that this relates to this. There were some people there that you thought maybe were in need of some support or some information or uh, going through a similar situation and you wanted to go see what was happening. It actually, this, this episode today is inspired from what happened yesterday, uh, with what you're talking about. Because um, I came to this, uh, one of our caregivers on our team, Aritha, who is a Fijian, an incredible, capable, loving woman, mentioned, why don't you just, we, we have so many people coming to us asking for help, in desperate need of help for their loved ones, for themselves, needing the support, needing extra care. Uh, boy, it's they're desperate. And they're coming and asking us for help. Well, I'll be honest with you, and you know this is true, Jenny knows this because she works with me. For us to find the right match of caregiver for some of these families is really challenging. Either we can't find the fit or the caregivers that we interview and are coming highly recommended, for some reason, many of them flake out on us. They don't show up. They don't call. Uh, 
and they have a lot of experience. But what we're really we're beginning to realize is there's something wrong. There's probably a lot wrong. Uh, these are good people. They're dedicated to helping those going through the most difficult life-to-death journeys. And these folks are committed to helping them and being at their side, tending to them. But what we're finding out is that the toll that it's taking on them uh, is it becoming a real problem. It may have always been, but we're becoming more conscious of it. So anyway, we've had trouble because we've interviewed a number of people. We set them up with work and they don't show up or they don't call. Uh, and we can't get them to return our calls. Uh, we're seeing this a lot. And it's for me, you can imagine, you know me. <laughs> That's not acceptable. No. And frankly, uh, I don't buy it. And uh, we've had n- a number of situations. And uh, when I finally get to them and I go, where were you? They'll oh, please forgive me. And my answer is no. All you had to do is pick up the phone. And we waited hours. Jenny worried if we had these people waiting. And no, I don't forgive you. Where were you? But we're running into this. It wasn't a one-shot deal. We're running into this quite a bit. So anyway, Bertha said, well, why don't you just go to this local church where a lot of the caregivers, particularly Fijian caregivers, go on Sunday. And I took a shot. And I went. And it worked out beautifully. Uh, interestingly, one of the people that we set up for a, a job and who came very highly recommended who didn't show up, didn't call, he's the first person I saw there. Mm. And he says, oh, I'm so sorry. And you can imagine when people say, oh, I'm so sorry, how that goes. It didn't go well. And I said, no, that's not okay. And what happened to you? And he had reasons and excuses, but frankly, I don't buy any of them, even if they're credible. And and what's in your mind in all this is the need of the person who needs a caregiver. That's Both. what's primary in your mind. That was my primary. That's right. These yeah. people are asking us, and they're desperate. Yeah. But there's another thing that started stri- that struck me. I finally we had a very good meeting with some leaders in this community of caregivers, mm-hmm. very fine women, and. Uh, in fact, Maritha, who's on our team, knows them well. One of them was her aunt. I didn't know that. But um, what really struck me was there is a big problem. And the problem is the effect that this work has on caregivers. And it's not just one or two. It affects everybody, just like we've been talking about for episodes. This is something we've been talking about extensively, yes. And they start with... Very good intentions. They come from cultures that really encourage caregiving. Uh, it's built into the culture, not like in America. And they they start off really well. They just don't know how to take care of themselves. And when I was at this church and I saw these folks and I t- sat with these le- these women, who are the leaders of this particular congregation of caregivers, I spoke about it. And I said, you know what? Something is wrong. Um, people start off well, but there's something wrong because they don't know how to take care of themselves. And uh, they agreed. They said, we don't. And the way it comes begins to show itself in their behaviors, in their attitudes, and their ways that they begin to move away from uh, their responsibilities, not wanting to take them on, not becoming reliable, is a red flag to me that... They haven't taken care of themselves. The stress of these kinds of 
situations and work is taking its toll. And uh, we know how to prevent that. So when I talked to them yesterday, it, I don't know, I was inspired. And one of the things that others that really struck me is that these caregivers have a great deal of responsibility, really an enormous burden. They accept it and they embrace it. But it struck me, this is a serious business mm -hmm. for serious problems needing serious solutions. And uh, we know how to do this. We know how to help them. So I was thrilled because they really took to what I was talking about. And uh, I told them to listen to these broadcasts because we're educating people on how to prevent burnout. But what really also struck me is I, was, I got inspired I left that room, I left that place, I felt really stoked. We got some hope here. And sure enough, in our staff meeting, we started getting calls right away today. And I was thrilled. Uh, so I, this time, I think we're making some impact. But it's what, it was, the, it was the imprint of the experience of being there that inspired me for this episode today. Let's return to that then. I want to hear more about that. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Before our break, Peter was sharing about a meeting that he had uh, yesterday uh, that just almost kind of crystallized or focused a new perspective on something we've been talking about for quite a while, which has to do with um, the stresses on caregivers and how that can uh, take them to places where they start to uh, almost get close to burnout or, or uh, to be not reliable or not be able to continue in this profession that they are so good at. Mm -hmm. uh, what You were saying that, that this meeting that you were able to have really gave you uh, kind of a new look, a new perspective. Could you say a little bit more? You know, it, I think it, re it confirmed to me some things that we've been seeing, but in a way that inspired me um, that we can do something about this, that we really can help. And I think we're going to make some big improvements in the caregiving profession. Um, we're going to be able to teach people how to become more resilient, even during the difficult work that they have to do. Um, I know we can do it. We've done it before. We do it in our teams. But I don't know. I just felt inspired. And that there was, this is a calling that I want to follow up on. Uh, let's see. I guess, you know, I, I'm i just thinking back on a couple of things here. Um, we have, over the last several episodes, gone over the real pointed ways that caregivers need to learn to... Uh, become more resilient. What they have to be paying attention. We talked about triggering. Mm -hmm. We've talked about pushing the pause button. We've talked about the biology of emotion. Yes. We've talked about absorbing about... the the 
the negative, energy, negative energy, and the energies of other difficult situations. Right. That we're giving so much energy, selflessly, and these people who are caregivers do, um, that it takes its toll. Mm-hmm. We've talked it, about the effect on the body. That's right. Of this, uh, of this, uh, the stress of caregiving, and and I think that is crucially important. And yet, I'm thinking to myself as I'm at this meeting. We got to go back, and we'll go to that again. But today, I wanted to talk about a bigger picture, about the whole experience, and the kinds of changes, the kind of attitudes, the kind of value that this profession, that this work, has. It's not just for the professional caregivers, but for loved ones too. It's harder for loved ones. There's no question about it. But. When I looked at it, I'm going, you know, there's so much here that has to do with understanding the attitudes that we need to have, that we need to also understand uh, that we need support, that people who care about us, uh, we need their, what they have to say. We need their uh, coming alongside us uh, and giving us perspective when our emotions are running deeply. We need them. And then we also need to understand that there's a process that you go through, and that is, you know, you go through these difficult jobs and these difficult work. We need a time to let down, to debrief and decompress with others. And through that time, um, it gives us time to reflect on what we've been through. It gives us time to understand the attitudes that we can learn and grow from, um, because of what we've been through. But this is a completely different perspective. It's We're talking about growth. We're talking about healing. We're talking about restoration, renewal, and resilience. We're talking about appreciation and gratitude like you've never had before. And um, there's, an, there's a whole framework and, 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 and perspective that needs to go with this work and this life experience that is more positive, not painless at all. In fact, we're dealing with the part of life that probably is the most painful. We're talking about loss. Every caregiver I talked to there yesterday, they were people that lived with, uh, took take care of people 24-7, and every one of the people they were take care of is, 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 has died. Or one lady I talked to who was a leader, she's, she's helping someone who's been, she's been with them for a while and they're getting ready to die. These folks face a different side of life that is going to, it is painful. There is grief. There is a time that we're impacted. We're human. Uh, As strong as we are, we're also very human and vulnerable. And these kinds of experiences strip us to our humanness, our, our vulnerability. What do I mean by humanness? Well, it's almost like we begin to uh, see ourselves as we really are, our true selves. But we begin to be able to relate to our fellow man and see the similarities between all of us. So all the facades are kind of shattered and blown away. This is the kind of work that will strip you to that place. That's not a bad thing. The problem is it comes through pain, struggle, and suffering. And the resilience that will come, the restoration that will come, comes as you go through these difficulties. 
Uh, it's not for the for folks that avoid it or think they're not going to be touched by it or for folks that don't believe this could happen to them. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about the folks that bury your head in the sand. We're talking about folks that embrace this experience, loved ones, family loved ones, also the caregivers. They're not running away. They're, they're in it. Eventually, though, here's what we're seeing. They do start running away, just like anyone would want to. It's just too overwhelming, and they don't know how to process. That's what, what I'm hearing through. you say, that, that um, part of what it takes to stay resilient, stay able to care and give as a caregiver, <laughs> those are the two words in it, um, requires a time of reflection, uh, a time of, as you said, to experience, uh, feel the pain, the loss, the grief, not just keep going, but a time to slow down and become aware of what's going on inside. Okay, that's that's true. Um, the the overall journey um, has to you have to come to a place of acceptance of what's happening. Uh, uh, that and it's acceptance that means something that's very difficult for us to accept. You know what it is? That we can't always be in control of everything. And things aren't going to always work out the way we would like them to be. To. So we have to admit to ourselves and accept what's going on and begin to let go. It's not easy. That letting go doesn't come easily and it's just not a frame of, a, a mental frame of mind. It's a life experience. Um... One of the things that I found, and this is me, and I can't, I don't know if other people feel this way, they probably do. But what I, I want to read something that I wrote quickly, and that is what we have to begin to accept is that we, um, when we're so overwhelmed, what really overwhelms us and what we're really fearful of is honestly happening and that it's taking a toll on us. It is absolutely a fact. Yes, and we have to be able to admit that that the the things we dread, the things I dread, and I don't even want to anticipate. I'm so fearful of them. They're really happening, they and they are taking a toll. There has to be an acceptance of that. Um, huh, through it, I'm taking a breath here because this is pretty loaded stuff. Um. I think what really happens is we need to, de after we deal with it, just like I took a breath, right, you got to decompress. This mm -hmm. is pretty heavy-duty stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And through the decompressing process, we begin to learn and we begin to appreciate what we do have and what is left. And we begin to see life in a different way. And we begin to feel grateful for the little things. And all, that doesn't come easily. No. It certainly hasn't for me. And yet I can almost, um, I don't want to say boast, but for me it's a boast. I am grateful for the little things. And this is a guy who had to have the big things all the time, ranches and fast cars and fast horses. Today it's, it's not that. It's seeing a beautiful day. It's seeing my wife take a breath. 
it's appreciating life in ways I never appreciated and being completely grateful. This is one of the things that begins to happen um, when we begin to let go. We begin to value the things that we haven't really appreciated before, um, particularly when we've been stripped down and stripped away. This is what happens in this kind of work. We are stripped down to our very core. And the nature of this work and the nature of this part of life is we're going to be stripped down to our true selves. That's painful, but yet out of that, good can come if we know how to deal with the process. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing, that yeah. that um, maybe some of what you saw this weekend was uh, people who don't really know how to really take hold of this process. You got it. And, and that's what I'm seeing. And that it's maybe not something that, that everybody really understands. I don't think it is. I think it's a thing that not too many people do from what I see. Um, we're talking about a different way of valuing what's precious in life and valuing the, the challenging life experiences. Not running from them, but also learning from them and growing from them. And also learning about ourselves through all of this and gaining a different perspective than we would have ever had without them. Um, so I don't know. I don't see that this happens for a lot of people. I wish it would. Because if they did, it would be a shift in their perspective right away. And instead of part of them shutting down and uh, beginning to run away, whether it's overt, you know, outwardly run away and avoid the work, or inside shutting down and just saying, I'm strong, I can handle it, or finding excuses not to do the work, becoming neglectful, resentful, whatever. Um, we're talking about a different way. We're talking about a way that will keep you resilient and purposeful. And it's actually gaining a deeper sense of strength than you ever thought possible. Um, that's what we're talking about. That foundational perspective, I think, is missing. And I think it's essential. Without it, you're in big trouble. That's when things go haywire. So that's why today I want to talk about this. We're, we've talked about the biology of emotion. We've talked about the triggerings that happen. We've talked about all the things that, so many things that could happen during this kind of relationship. The kind of toxic buildup of emotion and energy and pain that we absorb from people we love and are taken care of. And yet, and also that's essential. But if we don't understand the big picture, it's not going to hold anyway. We have got to get the big picture that we're talking about a completely different, more positive frame of reference that has to do with personal growth and development and healing for ourselves as caregivers, as well as helping those through their difficult journey from going through what they're going through to their final days and final hours. Let's return to that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma, 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. 
And Peter, I'm going to go back to what you said just before our break. Mm -hmm. And you said uh, that there's a, a foundational principle or way to look at life that the process you've been talking about of facing painful, difficult situations. Right. Right. Accepting them, learning, growing, coming out the other side, realizing our own humanity, mm -hmm. supporting and sharing what we've learned with others, mm -hmm. and, and then going through it again when hard times come again, that all of these are so valuable and so much a part of a life well-lived and of becoming the person you're meant to be. Exactly. Um, there's, there's some things about that process um, that I want to just talk about. One is re a time to reflect, a time to introspect, a time to sort these things out and decompress from the emotional bombardment um, the the biology of emotion that's taken a hold of us, the triggerings that have uh, uh, been stimulated us, all those things, and we talked about, we'll talk about it again because it's so important, but not today. Those things are very important to this process. Those are the intricate mechanics. But I think there's something else about that, and I want to outline it. We call I used it in a staff meeting this morning, and I used a big word. It wasn't a big word. It was a word that... Kelly, our very down-to-earth caregiving team member, I used the word pulsation in the process. And what I meant was that, and she called it, you're talking about the heartbeat of life. life. And what we were talking about is there's a time to reflect. There's a time to introspect. There's a time to sort out and decompress. And those are very sweet times. And that's where we do a lot of growing, a lot of developing. But we don't stay there. The pulsation means expansion and contraction. It means engaging and disengaging. It means reflecting and then engaging again. Or acting, um, yes. Yeah. And when you talk about caregivers, the, the professional caregivers, they're gonna, that's their work. They're going back into it. Mm -hmm. um, for all of us and our work that we do, we're going back into it too. We help people recover from trauma. We, go, we help a lot of people. So... We know we're going to go back into the pain. There's going to be more pain. There's going to be more challenges. There, uh, there. We're going to go back into that survival mode. We're going to go into being concerned about just making it through the day, meeting each challenge as it presents itself, not having much time to reflect and decompress at that time. And it's that back and forth process of life, as Jenny as. Uh, Kelly said the heartbeat of life. She's right. Yeah. The expansion and contraction. I'd like to give an analogy, and in, in, in no way do I mean to, because this is not going to be as significant or meaningful or in-depth as what you're saying, but in, just for our listeners, I'd like to use an analogy that might help them understand what you're talking about, and that is of an athlete. Athletes go out, say they go out on the field, they go out into the competition, they give everything they have. Mm -hmm. They're out there. Uh, they may get hurt. They're going to get tired. They're going to get... Um, all of those things happen to them. And then they come off the field. Mm -hmm. 
and they need to recover. Right. They need to recover physically. They need to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're going to get some feedback on how they did during the game or during their, their competition. They Maybe they're going to look at some videos. Maybe they're going to talk to their coach. Mm-hmm. They're going to talk to their teammates if they have them. They're going to take time to reflect, decompress, mm-hmm. learn from that, that competition that they just went through. But then they're going to have to get ready and go back right back out there again. And both of these aspects to what they do are essential. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a parallel here in what you're talking about. There is. And you're just one step. You're on exactly on the same page as I am without even knowing it. And I was going to talk about a time for self-care, a time for not just reflection, but a time for restoration, too, and how important that becomes. And how we need to appreciate those times when we recover our energy, when we restore ourselves, when we get those breaks and to really embrace them and relish them. There are many vacations because we're going to go back to the front lines, but you can't stay there all the time. You've got to come back out. And it's very, very important in the management of ourselves and self-care. They call it respite care. You're talking about athletes doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You can't just go 24-7. And so what really happens is we begin to appreciate those moments. And just they give us an uplift and a restoration. As short as it may be, it's so important for us to get back in the game and to go engage again. It gives people uh, an excitement, a hope, uh, a game plan, you know, so quote unquote, for going back into whatever um, competition as an athlete they're going back into. They want to go back into it with the feeling like I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do my best and I'm going to have, uh, you know, I'm not burned out. I'm not tired. I'm not in pain. I want to keep going. I want to become better. And what do I do in between to make sure that happens? Okay. Absolutely. And that's the time. That's a self-care time. That's a time of reflection, restoration, decompression. Well, what what is the big picture here that we're talking about, though? We're talking about the front lines of helping someone move from sickness, managing it, to eventual death. And we're talking about the process that caregivers go through of grief. And it takes its toll. And we have to be willing to accept and embrace that we grieve and what that entails. Um, and so we, but when you talk about grief, we're not just talking about losing the person we love or care for. There's other parts of the grief that come up that when the person may still be alive, it's part of the process of caregiving. It's the grieving of realizing we're not in control. And uh, it's one of the biggest losses is to discover that. Particularly when the person we love, the person we care for. And there isn't all that much that we can do to help change what's happening. No, but it cuts right through the, the illusion that we all live with of... Um, that we're not going to be touched by life, that if we do enough planning about money, our health, our future, we're going to not have to go through loss. Or we can fix it. If, or we can if it fixed. happens, we can fix it. And that's going to give us a false sense of well-being. Yeah. And, and it's, not, uh, it's not going to really give us a sense of true protection and groundedness that we're seeking. 
when you go through this kind of work, that's what you come to begin to realize. It pulls that part away from us and it crushes it out of us. We grieve and we feel a great deal of pain. I'm reading this, folks. I wrote it. We need to let ourselves grieve and pull ourselves together, gather our strength and resilience again and move on. And I talk about this is quite a process to go through. And it's actually a big part of it that I've discovered is there's a very strong spiritual element to this resilience. I think so, because what you're talking about is uh, how do you go through this? You need hope. And hope has everything to do with spirituality. It does. And I don't want people to get confused here with spirituality and religiosity. They aren't necessarily the same. We're talking about personal spirituality. I know what mine involves, um, uh, I believe. And we all discover this. There is a greater force in this universe than ourselves. There is somebody else in charge here, that, and we're not. And when you're working in this part of life or dealing with this part of life, what truly becomes apparent, we don't have the control. We don't have the final say. We don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. But we're not in control. And that is a jolting reality. I'm not talking about just intellectually. I mean to our very core. Yes. That this is a jolt because our sense of and our illusions about security and what was going to give us a sense of groundedness and protection are blown out of the water. So I know this is, it may sound like it's not a very hopeful message. It's exactly the opposite because we're looking at the stuff of life that gives true resilience and a deepening, a deepened understanding of life um, that is filled with hope and filled with trust and faith. Now, I know religious people talk faith, and I know people who are spiritual people who talk faith. Well, here's what this process does. You discover you may not be exactly what you profess to be with your faith and trust. This strips you down to the very basics. And all of a sudden you discover, well, maybe I'm not as trusting and faithful as I thought it was. Um, you know what? That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Because there you, then you have an opportunity to, 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 for those holes that you didn't even know you have to begin to fill in with deeper trust, a deepened understanding of life, a certain wisdom that you never would have had before. And for people who profess a lot, um, they're not as wise always as they think they are. This is the kind of experience where the uh, rubber meets the road. I like that. Now, I am a spiritual man. Um, I do believe in God. It's through the difficulties of my life that I've discovered there is a God, uh, a very powerful God. I know he's merciful. I know he's loving. Um, I also know we're going to go through a lot, and he's going to be there for us. You know, one of the things I discovered about God, this is me, mm -hmm. is that he, we go through a lot. But we're, he's not going to allow us to be crushed. What happens is he'll take us to a certain point, and then he will give us a way out when he knows we've had enough. I've, known, I've discovered that time and again. So in this, this is personal for me. Now, other people may have other spiritualities. Um, one of the things I've learned in this wisdom is not to be judgmental, not to be condemning. And uh, there's room for 
lots of different spirituality. Now, my beliefs are mine. And I, they, they are right for me. And I know they're right for a lot of other people, but not everybody believes the way I do. I discovered mine. I was a cynical man. So for me to become this way, I had to be stripped to my very core. And there was no, there was no way that I could argue with what I felt and saw was happening. And I've seen it certainly more than once. Um, and I convey that to others. That we're not talking about professing religiosity. We're talking about where are you really? This is the kind of challenge in life that's going to bring you to where you truly are and you're going to be face-to-face -face with yourself. That's not a negative unless you begin to run away and want to deny it or bury your head in the sand. When you face it and go through the pain and the struggle of that, you're going to come out the other side a much stronger, much improved person with a lot of maturity and wisdom and experience. That's going to be far beyond your survival mechanisms that you had in the past. It's not going to be, you're not going to be just falling back on old ways anymore. You're going to be a new and improved version of yourself. And you're going to become a lot more effective to help other people too. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And Peter, just before our break, um, I want to take you back to uh, what you were saying that facing the fact that we don't always have control in life uh, is not a negative. Mm -hmm. It is an opportunity when we talk about adversity being an opportunity. It's a p opportunity to become a deeper, more mature, stronger, more resilient person. And these are things we've talked about so often. Mm -hmm. But just the way you were saying it, um, it had another element to me of why not to run away? And why not to live in a kind of fantasy denial that when hard times comes, it's going to leave you fragile in ways you don't realize? It's going to leave you vulnerable. The fragility many times comes from people who don't want to face this and run the other way until it finally hits them like it hits everybody. That's a fragility, a fragileness. The kind of thing we're talking about well, it, it brings out the best in you. If the truth of the matter is, you face it, it's going to bring out strength you didn't even know you had. And a better sense of yourself, an understanding uh, of reality, and what's truly important in life. Your values begin to go into alignment. And it, it, this is very important to me. We're talking about a very grounded sense 
of development and growth. We're not talking about an esoteric, heady kind of spirituality here. We're talking about um, beginning to understand reality in a new way. Not the way we were taught that was going to give security, but in a way that gives us a certain resilience no matter what's thrown at us. Could and you a new hope. Could you share an example? Would you be willing to share an example of this? <laughs> Let me think about that for a minute. Um, So we discover what we're really made of? Yeah. Um, when did you discover, at some point, when did you discover what you were really made of? Well, a numbers of times in my life, but I'm discovering it now, again, mm -hmm. in a way that I didn't even know about. Uh, and I thought I was doing pretty good before, but that was compared to what I'm learning now. This is a very different time. I don't want my light, my voice to sink. Our technician, our producer. No, I know you. I know that I have asked you to be personal and revealing, yeah, yeah. and that that will affect your voice. Well, you know, I think what this this last week was my forty third wedding anniversary with my wife. We've been together forty six years, and um, I've loved my wife the whole time. We've been one of those very fortunate couples. We've had an extremely fulfilling and loving life together, from a heartfelt, most meaningful ways. Um, I've adored my wife. She's adored me. And that's been just, a, what a wonderful life. Plenty of ups and downs, but boy, we had that bond. And it's been clear to the, everyone around you. Okay. It has been a shining, shining light and example. Well, I still feel it, but it's different now. My wife can't give me anything back almost. If she's breathing, if she can touch my hand every once in a while. Uh, that's all she can give. And that that's painful. But um, there's something that I've learned and I'm in the process of learning even more of now. And that has to do with being selfless and being able to give even though I know I'm not going to get very much if anything in return. I didn't... I know this is, this is revealing in, maze, in many ways, but I didn't know I was capable of giving the way I give now. And I've always been a giving person, but not like this. And I don't delude myself. Compared to how I do, I'm living now, I was selfish before. And I was not one of those quote-unquote selfish human being types. But yet now, I care more about my wife. And I care about others going through similar situations, their loved ones, more than I ever have before. Um, I'm discovering a better sense of myself um, than I ever knew was uh, accessible. And it's coming through these difficulties. I've, I've loved my wife always, but I've never loved her like I do now. And yet I know that it's, it can't be reciprocal. She's, she's, she's weakening. She can't give back. But even a, an acknowledgement in, in her eyes or, touch, or you know, seeing some kind of that she responds to me some way, that's a way that I'm given to that keeps me going. I am very grateful for what I've had in my life with her. I'm very appreciative of what I've been given. I value what I have now, even though in some ways it's much less than I've had in a long time. But I couldn't have come to it in any other way. And that's the truth. Um, 
I do see you in this process too. I'll just I'll just say I do see you doing what you've been talking about. There are times when you reflect, you grieve, you experience the pain of not having the control or the ability to make things really different for Lynn. And then and I see that there's something you can do, you do it. Absolutely. You shift and you go, we can do this for Lynn. It's going to happen. And so I see you going back and forth with this process you've been talking about. And alongside all that, I see you doing your best to take care of yourself. That's right. Those are my respite moments. And I know they don't last, but I'm appreciative for what I do have. Uh, You know, there's a interesting uh, public... something that's touched me deeply and obvious for obvious reasons this week and i don't know you've heard the the series dog the bounty hunter and his, and his wife, wife beth yes beth passed away a few days ago i saw that 51 years old yeah and um this is a man that's had a rough life he's been married four times and beth has been the love of his life and lately as i've been reading he's a public figure she's been their love for each other is just what I've been talking about, and it's in the public eye. And they have handled it in the most... I'm more touched by this than I've ever been by anybody else because they're what they've professed, what they feel for each other, right to the last moments. Has I've been reading about it. I've been seeing it. I've been watching pictures of it. I listened to his the funeral and the memorial. It touches me so deeply. Of course it does because of what I'm going through with Lynn. But there are other people that know about just what I'm talking about. And these weren't soft people. They've had hard pasts. They've had hard lives. They've been wounded. They've been broken. They're scarred. And yet they come out of it with such a incredible spirit of love and appreciation and gratitude. This is what inspires me and touches my heart, to be honest with you. These are the kind of people I surround myself with, the truth of the matter. Um, because... They have this incredible, indomitable spirit, human spirit. You can't extinguish it. And here's a couple like Lynn and me. And they're more in the public eye than I am. And Lynn is. And we're pretty public. And they, you can see how much they loved each other. Her last moments, the, the final kiss, um, what he's going through and what, what it's done to him and what it means to him to lose her has touched me so deeply and who this is someone in a situation that I identify with very strongly. The public is having a privilege to watch this process with some very famous people, rough exterior, (laughs) tough people, and yet here is vulnerability, brokenness, sweetness. I wouldn't call it fragility. No. But a certain kind of indomitable human spirit with the vulnerability, with the sweetness and love and caring and being touched and grieving. To me, this is a, the public should just embrace this as you are getting a bird's eye view of a very special couple. Their love has been very public, especially during these times, especially. And here's a big tough guy, and I'll be honest with you, he's got a heart of gold. He's soft, and he's caring, and he's giving, and so was she. And they adored each other. So it took him four other marriages to find her, but that was this is the love of his life. 
and he's lost her. So I look at that and I go, you know what? We've just had a glimpse of something so special and precious. You don't see it every day. But this is a part of life that we all are going to have to face. Do we all wind up facing this kind of love and selflessness? I don't think so. I think a lot of people look at it and then they begin to realize they don't have this. They may have professed it. They may have pretended, performed it. But when they see this... You can't deny it. It's so strong. That's what Lynn and I are like. Same thing. Um, do I, I think Lynn's and my relationship is a, a testimony to love. It's a testimonial to continue to grow, to heal, to improve even through this difficult time. Um, I hope other people f are touched by this legacy. We call it Lynn's legacy. We intend to continue it. And may it touch many others and help many others. And if you are seeing what you don't have in your life, this is your chance to change. This is your chance to embrace something more difficult and yet so much more meaningful. To realize the, the greater person that you can become through it. Uh, it may be painful to admit to yourself, boy, I don't have that. I thought I did, but we don't have that. And... Uh, we don't feel that way and I don't feel that way I'd like it but I don't know how to get there I think that's an honest assessment and I would encourage folks to pay attention carefully because you too can have this gift and it truly is a gift but you only discover that gift through the struggles the suffering and the pain and you discover this this enormous uh powerful uh, human nature and the spirit that you just it can't be extinguished when you when you're in this kind of life uh, oh it can be you can be hurt and wounded but you're going to discover something about the human spirit you're going to discover things about yourself that you never knew you were capable of you're going to discover a depth of life that goes so far beyond your 401ks and your financial planning and all of that, that those things were supposed to give you security, I'm talking about the things that will give you security. You're talking about a depth of connection to other people. Yes. And, the, and I, I believe that you have said that that is where our real security is. It's in our relationships and our love for other people and our uh, connection to them. Absolutely. And... This is, the, this is the framework that I wanted all caregivers to begin to look at today. That you may have the desire to be a good caregiver. Your culture may have encouraged it. I'm talking about what true self-care is going to look like. And I'm talking about a life that does involve struggle and pain. But I'm also showing you the ways that you can be disco to discover a resilience through all this adversity and struggle that you didn't even know you're capable of. I can talk from personal experience today. I'm in it. And it makes me so much more empathetic than I was before. And I've been in trauma recovery work and a psychologist, psychotherapist for a long time. Not anymore. I see myself as a mentor and a coach through life and helping people through this difficulty and pain. I hope today 
that this broadcast gives you the foundational picture of what it takes to find the real hope in life, the real security. Um, we will get back to the basics again, and we will go through them and get on with them, but not today. Next time, we'll get back to them, but I want this framework to be in place first. And if anybody um, can is relating to what I'm saying today, we would be so pleased to hear from you. And now I'm going to turn this over to Jenny. I know this is a heavy subject. I'm sorry, but I'm not really. Um, please take it in the way it's meant, yes. not critically at all. Don't get critical and don't get condemning and judgmental out of this. That's, that would be a mistake. I wouldn't call this heavy. I would call it meaningful. Meaningful. I, I, and it, and it, it does have its weight, but I, this is the kind of meaningful message that people can learn and grow and benefit from. And, and, and I don't think you need to apologize at all. No, thank okay. you. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson. If you'd like to know more about our show or about Peter, Dr. Bernstein, please visit our website, thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. We are sponsored by Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment. Their website is sctraumatreatment.org. Thank you for listening. Please join us again. Thank you.